and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and the only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in the unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. You can be seated. God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord, to you. Would you pray with me for a moment? Let's bow. Our Father in heaven, we are so grateful that you have made us to be your sons and daughters and that you've called us into your church. God, once we were far from you, we were enemies of Jesus Christ, whether by us having chosen to rebel against you and live in opposition to you, or simply living in our sin and not knowing the salvation that came through Jesus. But while we were far away, Christ died for us and brought us near and gave us sonship. And we're so grateful because what you have done through Jesus Christ and through your Holy Spirit in us as individuals and in this body of people that are the church, the body of Jesus Christ in this world, you have done, God. We didn't contribute very much to this at all. In fact, we didn't really contribute anything. You've done it all. And now inside of us, your Holy Spirit is making us alive to do good works and to be the church that contributes to the world. And God, whether it's through preaching the word to your world or sharing together in these Christian practices of communion and baptism, or whether it's the contributions that we make to the poor and the other things that we do for society, it is all because of your spirit that animates us. And God, today we are praying that as you have always been faithful to us in the past, that you will be faithful again to your church, that through the leadership of this church and the elders that are being installed here today and the ones that are already serving here, that you would continue to work, that you would continue to lead us as we follow the great shepherd, Jesus Christ, until the day comes when in our resurrection bodies we're restored to life with you forever. And God, let us see your face and hear the words that you will say to each one here. Well done, good and faithful servant. Would you cause the seal of your Holy Spirit with which you sealed us for that day of our redemption to be uh, fulfilled and seen to be true at the end? God, we love you. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray and by the power of the Spirit that you've put in us that we speak these words and that you understand them. And all of the church together says, Amen. Amen. Hey, good morning. All right, it is nice to see you this morning. This is a special day. Just a few minutes from now, we are going to install six new elders for this congregation. And we already have nine elders in this congregation, which means by the time we're done this morning, we're going to have a total of 15 elders here. Isn't that uh, kind of neat? Can I get an oh yeah? oh yeah? Oh yeah. So here's why I think it's really special. 
There are a lot of churches in the world that would love to have even one or two or three qualified, mature, prepared, eager, willing Christian men to lead in their churches. And there's some churches that maybe in their system it works for them. They've got 40 or 50 elders or whatever, and that's good too. But I'm encouraged because we've got 15 men who are elders in this church now by the end of today. And we probably have at least that many over again, maybe, maybe 30 more in this church right now who would be ready if called upon, if something were to happen and we needed them, who are mature and ready and willing to serve this church and God has brought them to a place where we are not short of mature men and mature women in this church to serve in all its various roles, especially in the eldership. Isn't that a great thing and aren't we thankful to God for that? Can we just praise him a little bit? Can we say thank you to the Lord? Say thank you to the Lord. Thank you, God. Yes, thank you. Okay, so this is a wonderful thing. And as far as I know, this is going to be the, uh, the highest number of elders we've ever had here. I've seen us as high as 13. I've seen us as low as about 7 or so, I guess. And so we've always been in that range. Now we're going to have 15, which means beginning right away, we're going to have to move our shepherd and minister meetings somewhere out of our current meeting room because we don't fit anymore. That's great. So we're going to have to move into the lodge or something like that. Here's what I would like to do this morning for just about the next seven to nine minutes. Uh, I want to give you what one member from first service said was the best sermon I've ever given. He said that because this is the shortest sermon I've ever given. <laughs> I just want you to open up in your Bibles to the book of 1 Timothy. And I want for the next few minutes to walk through this book and point out only a few comments. I can't make all the comments that could be made from this book. Just a few comments about what I think is the greatest New Testament document outside of the Gospels that are about Jesus that teaches us about godly leadership in God's church. This letter is so full, just chock full of what it means to be a godly man and a godly woman and prepared for God's leadership roles in the church that the whole church ought to take the challenge to read this book this week. It has six chapters. You've got six days left in the week after today. It would be very easy to take a piece every day and just read through this book and to look for what God is calling you to do next in your leadership of his people and his world. Because he has something in here for you. I guarantee it. And I would like to spend a few minutes pointing out a couple of these teachings from Paul writing to the young minister Timothy about the church and its leadership. And then we will move into calling our existing and new elders forward to have the new elders installed as elders. Are you guys ready to do that this morning? Does that sound good? All right, here we go. 1 Timothy chapter 1. So in your own Bibles or on your phone, follow along. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3. Allow me to read a couple of verses here. Paul writing to Timothy. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies these promote controversies rather than God's work. Paul, writing to this young Timothy, his uh, ministry assistant that he's left behind to preach in Ephesus, is saying that there is a problem of this meaningless talk, empty talk, and arguing. He'll bring it up again in the book. It's bringing about divisions. And what he said right here is there is a kind of empty talk and teaching that only promotes controversies. 
It doesn't unite, it doesn't heal, it doesn't lead God's church, it divides God's church. And he says this kind of teaching, what we would call false teaching, is directly opposed to the work of God. Now look at what the work of God is here in verse uh, 4. He says, rather than God's work, which is faith. So what God is calling the church to is faith, and the next verse will explain The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So rather than promoting these arguments that never have any end, that lead to controversy and division in the church, Paul is reminding Timothy that the mark of godly leadership is not that a person thinks they have all the answers. It is not that a person is convinced that they are right about everything. The mark of godly leadership isn't even always being right about everything, but it's being right primarily about this, that our faith in Jesus Christ leads us to love each other with a unifying love. Now, can I get an amen for that? You see, this is, this is good core biblical truth and teaching that Paul's giving to Timothy to heal a church. And even though our church, by the grace of God, is not to my knowledge experiencing controversies, quarrels, and rebellions, This is always a good reminder of why is it working. It's working because we love each other in the faith of Jesus Christ. This is what we're going to continue as we install new elders in this church. Look a little further down in the chapter at verse 12. So I'm in 1 Timothy 1 and now I'm in verse 12. Paul says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So Paul is saying about his own record, he didn't deserve to be a leader in God's church because of his past performance. In fact, he had made some pretty big mistakes. You see, the reason that he belonged in the leadership of God's church was not because of his record, but because of Jesus' abundant grace that had been poured out on him. Look at the trustworthy saying in the next verse. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life this causes Paul to erupt into praise he says now to the king eternal immortal invisible the only God be honor and glory forever and ever amen what makes godly leaders is not that men know all the answers and it is not that men have had perfect untarnished unblemished lives It is that the ultimate answer is faith and love in Jesus Christ and what was lacking in good performance has been more than made up for by the endless patience and abundance of Jesus' mercy in the lives of people. This is what makes for good leadership. Following down just a little bit further, in chapter 2, verse 1, I'd like the whole church to see one of the ways that Paul calls us all to respond. How do we help elders and leadership in their work? Paul says, 2-1, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, 
for kings and all those in authority. That would include the elders of our church. See, Paul is calling all of the believers and all those who worship together, all who claim to live together as the body of Christ, to pray for those who are in authority. And this means when we agree with them and when we don't. You see, there will come times over the next few years where the six new elders' eyes will be opened about how sometimes people can disagree with the decisions that the elders make. Once in a while, there will be a letter that comes in and says, we disagree with this decision, or a meeting will be requested. We'd like to talk about why we're doing this in church. And here is what the church is being taught from Paul, that even when we disagree, we bathe our comments and our process in prayer. Okay? So I'm going to challenge this church. Are you praying for your elders? Will you pray for your elders? Will you pray for these 15 men who take the brunt of the decision making and the complaints and they deal with these things head on in love and in faith and not in quarreling? Will you pray for them to be successful in allowing the grace of Jesus to abound here? Because that will be for the blessing of us all. And if you ever have to write a letter or if you feel called ever to have a meeting with them about something you disagree with, will you pray before you talk to them? Pray while you're talking to them. Pray for them in the letter that you might write. Pray after you've written it. Pray after you've met with them. Pray and pray and pray so that the Holy Spirit will be leading us towards unifying love and not quarrels that divide. Amen, church? Amen. Let's look at just one more. Now, I, there's so many in here. You ought to read the book. But look at chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And I want you in verse 11 right now. Chapter 6, verse 11. This is the, the last of the three scripture readings that was just read for us a few moments ago. And Paul is giving a charge here to all men and women about how we pursue God and his holiness. And he says in, ch in chapter 6, verse 11, But you, man of God, and this could be you, woman of God, flee from all of these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate himself made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. He says that you and I have built our life upon a confession, the same confession that Jesus witnessed to in front of Pontius Pilate. And although I didn't read all the verses around it, you could see a version of that confession in chapter 3, verse 16 where Paul said he appeared in a body. See, that's the incarnation of Jesus. It says he was vindicated by the Spirit because the Holy Spirit proved that what Jesus taught and what Jesus did was true through signs and wonders during his ministry and by raising him from the dead after his crucifixion. It says he was seen by angels and preached among the nations, believed on in the world and taken up into glory. This is a version of what Paul will write many times and call the gospel of Jesus. What Jesus did, how he became king of all the cosmos through his life and his death and his burial and his resurrection and his ascension to king of all. 
And this is the confession that we have built our lives upon. This is the foundation of Christian leadership and Christian eldership. Not that we're perfect, not that we have the right answers, but that we have the right Lord. This is what makes these men in front of you today worthy of leading in God's church. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, why don't we move forward with installing and blessing these men as elders of the church? We're going to ask first for the six new elders and their wives to come up front, and we'll have three of them stand right here on this side of the stage. So the new elders, the, the six, go ahead and stand with your wives. Let's have three on this side of the stage and three on this side facing the congregation so that everyone uh, can see you. And for the church, in your bulletin today is a really nicely made insert that has some color photographs of these couples Uh, with their names and a short biography about them. Hopefully you know one or two of them, maybe more of them. Now we want the existing nine shepherds and their wives to come up also and to stand behind them on the step or the second step right behind them, some on this side and some on this side, and to lay hands on them as they will uh, authorize the installation of these men as elders here. And once we've got everybody arranged up here, I just want the church, I want you to look at these men and women and to begin your life of prayer for them right now. Uh, Be praying for this work to be a blessing to them. And we are going to read as a congregation uh, a charge to these 15 men as our elders. And it's on the screen. It's also on the back of your bulletin. So I'm going to ask you all to read out uh, in a good strong voice together and in a nice slow calm pace as we read this charge. Okay, here we go. We, the members of the Bentonville Church, charge you to serve us as a shepherd. We charge you to live before God, pure, holy, and blameless in God's grace and God's mercy. We charge you to oversee our lives, to guide us to the promised land. We charge you to shepherd this flock, feed us, and protect us. We charge you to do your best. Live by faith. Lean on God in all you do. We charge you to accept our love and appreciation for you. Amen. Why don't we show our appreciation to these men and their wives? I'm going to ask the whole congregation to stand at this time. And we're going to do something a little bit different this morning, maybe a little unusual, so just roll with it, right? Okay. Here's what we're going to do. In a moment, uh, we're going to have a word of prayer and blessing over these men. And we're going to ask all of the church that's here today, anyone who is comfortable and willing, to please come down forward uh, and just stand around, fill in the stage behind them, uh, place hands on their shoulders, Fill in around the front, all around them. Take their hands from the front. Fill in all around the sides and the aisles here. And we're going to literally put hands on and over them and pray for God's blessing on them, okay? So would you all go ahead now, come down, come forward. Anybody who is comfortable, if you're uncomfortable, you're welcome to stay put. But anybody who's willing, uh, just come on down and let's fill in all, all around them now. Every side, all around them. Let's make them very... Very welcome. Make them very warm with all of your body heat. Here we go. <coughs> okay. And if, you, uh, if you're staying put, that's no problem. But uh, you know, in your hearts, be praying along with me 
as we bless these men or even uh, raise a hand of blessing towards them, that would be fine too if you would like to do that. Let's all bow in, in this moment of prayer. Eternal and ever-blessed God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who from your own infinite mercy chose us for yourself, the church, which you've ever ruled through the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, and yet you've used the service of mere men, as in preaching your word to your world and administering communion and baptism to your church and in providing for the poor, we commend to you those whom we now commit to the office of eldership. Set apart, Lord, these men, your servants, to the work for which they've been called by the voice of the church. Give them plenty of heavenly wisdom. Grant them your grace that they will be good men, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, ruling in the fear of God. Give them the favor and influence with the people that comes from following Christ. Fill them with his spirit to overflowing so they may lead this congregation in his service. Make them faithful unto death. And when Jesus, the chief shepherd, appears, may they receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. In the name of Jesus the Christ, by the working of your Holy Spirit, we pray to you, Holy Father, and the whole church says, Amen. Amen. Now, if you would, uh, even as we congratulate and shake their hands, we're going to sing a, a final song, kind of a closing song, but you're welcome to greet these men and shake their hands while we sing. Landon, if you would. We love you with the love of the Lord.